Jacob and Esau were minutes apart, maybe seconds, because they were twins. Although they were born on the same day with the same DNA, they could not have been more different. Esau was the older brother by a smidge, but Jacob always had the upper hand. One day Jacob tied Esau's shoelaces together, and when the bus stopped in front of their house, Esau gathered his backpack, stood up, and fell right down in front of everybody, and everybody laughed with Jacob at Esau. As the brothers grew older, they grew further apart until they split their parents right down the middle. Papa Isaac loved his outdoorsy, hunter, firstborn Esau. And Mom Rebecca loved her homebody, baby boy Jacob. One afternoon, Jacob was home cooking up a pot of his famous tomato bisque while Esau went right past him on his way to hunt. When the day was done, Esau came home empty-handed. This was more of a search than a destroy mission. Esau was so hungry he could hardly stand he smelled the soup over the fire and called out, Hey, baby brother, I'm starving. You give me some of that soup. And Jacob smiled. This was his chance. He said, Well, sure, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> it always does with you. How much? I tell you what, I'll give you a deal today. You give me your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of soup. We'll call it even. That's pretty pricey soup. Jacob wanted Esau to give everything coming to him as the firstborn, and all Esau gets out of it is a bowl of bisque? That had better be good bisque. But Esau's hungry. But Esau's smart. He's too smart to make that deal. That's the worst deal in the history of human deals. That will never work. Esau will never make that deal. He'll walk inside, rummage the fridge, find something else to eat, and shake his head at how foolish and naive his baby brother Jacob is. Right? Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Woommates on Simplify. Esau just stood there staring at his second's younger baby brother. And Esau said, Fine. Whatever. Just... I'm starving. I'm going to die anyways. Just give me a bowl. <laughs> a typical man. I'm going to die if I don't have a bowl of soup right now. Jacob made his brother vow a vow that he would give his birthright away. Then Jacob gladly poured a bowl of soup, cut a slice of bread, and he began daydreaming of everything he would do with everything he would get he did not deserve. And Esau sat down to the most expensive meal of his life, made a night of the melting pot look like a run through the drive through After dinner, Esau got up, walked off, and didn't even care. He had just given away his birthright for a bowl of bisque. Life continued for the twin brothers until life was waning from their father. Isaac wasn't young anymore. He was an old man, almost blind. And he called in his favorite son Esau and gave him some of his last words. The reporter Moses puts a microphone in the room so we can hear Isaac's closing conversations with his son. He said, Esau, my son, my firstborn, my favorite, don't tell your mom, I'm old now. They don't make enough candles to put on my cake, and if they did, the fire marshal wouldn't let them. Today may be my last day, so I want you to do something for me, and I want to do something for you. You go get your bow and arrows. You hunt down a deer and cook it just the way I like it, and I will bless you before I die. Esau nodded, strapped on his bow, grabbed a handful of arrows, and ran off to hunt. The walls in their house weren't thick enough to keep that confidential conversation confidential. Rebecca overheard, and she called in her fair-haired favorite and devised a plan so sinister it almost made the trickster Jacob blush. Really, it made him proud. Jacob, come here. Stop squirming. You sit still and listen. Your dad is about to die. 
But before he dies, he promised to bless your brother. And if you don't do something right now, you'll get nothing, and there'll be nothing I'll be able to do. He told your brother to cook him some deer like he likes, and he'll bless your brother. So I need you to run, find the two finest goats on the farm we've got, bring them to me. I'll cook a meal just like your dad likes, and he will bless you instead of Esau. Jacob could not believe his mom. This was wrong. This was beyond wrong. This was savage. And it was impossible. Esau had hair coming out of his ears. Literally had hair coming out of his ears. Jacob didn't even shave yet. That plan is never going to work. He told his mom, but she told him, you let me worry about your dad. You just go. So Jacob ran out the door down the driveway past two sycamore trees into the big red barn where he found two choice goats. He brought them to his mom and she cooked up Isaac's favorite dish. Then she sewed goat gloves and a goat scarf to cover Jacob's hands and neck and sent him in to serve his dad. Jacob cracked open the door to his dad's room and started inside. Hey, Dad. <clears throat> hey, Dad. <laughs> Who's there? It's J Esau, your firstborn. I, I brought you your favorite, some Bambi Benedict bathed in hot sauce. Why don't you sit up and have a few bites and you can bless me? Now, Isaac knew Esau was a good hunter. He taught him, but he's not that good. He would have done well to find a deer by now, much less find it, shoot it, bring it, barbecue it, bathe it in hot sauce, and bring it into his dad. Isaac was a little suspicious, but he couldn't see, so he called Jacob over. He reached out and felt the goat gloves and the goat scarf. Something was wrong. Something was askew. It wasn't skosh. He sounded like Jacob, but he felt like Esau. So Isaac, he couldn't see, so he trusted what he felt over what he knew, and he began to bless the wrong boy. Isaac took a deep breath and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. Nations will serve you. People bow down to you. You will be Lord over your brothers and the sons of your mother will bow down to you. Don't tell your mother. And may those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Now that's a beautiful blessing. That's something you post on social. And then hashtag favor ain't fair. That's an homage to Laura Payne. Isaac finished his dinner as Jacob left the room, and a few minutes later, Esau came bursting through the front door with the deer. He cooked it, covered it in hot sauce, and brought it into his dad. He said, hey, Dad, I brought you your favorite. Bambi Benedict bathed in hot sauce. Why don't you sit up and eat so you can bless me? And Isaac thought, I have been here before. Am I losing my mind? Who are you? I'm Esau, your firstborn, your favorite. You're going to bless me, remember? Tell me you remember. Isaac was so confused. Well, who was just here? Somebody just brought me dinner, and I just blessed him, and he said he was you, but that wasn't you. If that wasn't you, who was that? And Esau knew. He broke down. Oh, Dad, that must have been that no-good cheap brother of mine, Jacob. Come on, Dad, tell me you didn't bless him. you got to bless me. I'm your favorite, not him. Tell me you got something left, please. Esau could barely get a sentence out between sobs. Isaac said, I'm, I'm so sorry, son. I made your brother your master. I, I made all your family his servants. I, I gave him everything I wanted to give you. Esau couldn't believe it. Everything he dreamed of, everything he lived for, now belonged to his crafty baby brother. Esau had enough. He said, when dad dies, you tell the funeral director, stay close, we're going to bury Jacob right next to him. 
Esau's death threat got back to Rebekah. She called Jacob in one more time and told him he was a wanted man, not in a good way. Jacob got his things together and got out. This story sounds like a failed episode of Dr. Phil, but it is in our Bible in the book of beginnings in the book of Genesis. If Jacob didn't run, Esau was going to use him as target practice. So Jacob ran. And on his way, he stopped at a little place to spend the night under the stars, and God gave him a dream. A ladder was set up on earth that reached all the way to heaven. Angels ascended and descended on that ladder, and God himself stood at the top of that ladder, and this is what he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I'm going to bless you, and everyone you bless will be blessed. I'm going to be with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done everything I've promised you. Jacob stopped running just long enough to lay down his head, and God gave him what he always wanted. He gave him a dream of what could be. And the most interesting part of the dream to me is what God first said to Jacob. He said, hi, Jacob, I'm God. God introduced himself to Jacob as if the two had never met. And God promised Jacob he would protect him and never leave him. Life was looking up for him until he heard the news that Esau was heading his way. You remember Esau, don't you? Esau was the older twin brother. He cheated out of everything. This time Esau wasn't alone. He was marching with a 400-man army toward Jacob and his unarmed family. By this time, Jacob had already married twice, and he did what every brave, courageous, protect-your-family-at-all-costs would do. He sent one of his wives ahead of him as a sacrifice. Okay, so he didn't do what any brave, courageous, protect-your-family-at-all-costs would do. His plan was simple and selfish. If he saw kidnapped or killed his family, Jacob could buy a little more time for him and his other wife to get away. And Jacob should have stayed awake at the last marriage retreat. Esau stopped just long enough to talk to them, found out they were his brother's family, but then he kept marching. Before Jacob ever met up with his brother, he first met up with God. And like a man desperate for a change, he wrestled with God until daybreak. Finally, God changed Jacob's life and his name from Jacob, which meant trickster, to Israel, which meant prince. But just in case Jacob, I'm sorry, Israel, was lacing up his running shoes to run again, God knocked his thigh out of joint so he could not run anymore. He walked with a limp. He would have to meet Esau. He would have to try to reconcile with his brother, then run from him again. Maybe Esau had told these men what Jacob had done to him over the years, and these men were loyal to their master, and they vowed to him, as soon as I see him, I'll take him out. And they might have had a little bet going on over who could take Jacob out first. This was it. Esau finally had the upper hand. Israel was done for. He sent his servants ahead. He put his family behind him. He's doing a little bit better. When Esau saw his baby brother, he sprinted toward him. Israel braced for impact. Esau got to him, wrapped both arms around him, and wept. All that hatred, all that bitterness, all that resentment, all that revenge, all that grieving for all he had lost, all that hurt for how his brother had tricked him all those years, all that disappointment for what could have been but never was, all burst out in tears all over his baby brother. Finally, Israel had to reconcile. He could not run, and for the first time in forever, he wept too. 
there on the sands near a place called Peniel. God brought two battling brothers together when they decided to seek reconciliation over revenge. I know people have hurt you. It's part of being human. But today I'm asking you to ask God if you hate anyone. Has anyone wronged you and you're mad at them? You might even hate them. And you might even have a right to be angry. If they abused you, neglected you, abandoned you, mistreated you, betrayed you. But if you're still mad at them, ask God to give you a glimpse at what's in your heart. Hopefully you don't find hate there. But if you do, today's a good day to stop running and give all your hurt and all your hate to Jesus. Today's a good day to ask him to heal you of the hurt and forgive you for the hate. Today's a good day to follow Esau's lead after everything he had lost and everything he had been through. Today's a good day to seek reconciliation over revenge. I know that's a tall order. And so I want to pray with you right now and ask God to give you the strength and the courage to stop running and seek reconciliation and ask God to heal you of the hurt, forgive you for the hate, and give you the power and the strength to move forward in Jesus Christ. I, I pray, Lord God, you administer to everybody listening to this episode. Thank you for including this story in your book. As sordid as it is, thank you for letting us get a glimpse into human nature. But thank you, Lord, especially for showing us the beauty and the power of reconciliation. I'm asking you, Lord, search our hearts. If there's anything in us, if there's hate in us, if there's revenge brewing in us, if there's bitterness and resentment, God, please forgive us. I ask you today to bring healing to your people. It is not your will or your plan for your people to walk around hurt and hateful. I ask you today, God, bring healing, bring reconciliation. Do what only you can do, dear Jesus. Minister to everyone listening and help us to stop running and start reconciling so we can live again. I'm asking you for this. In the name, in the name of Jesus, the name of the one who forgave those who crucified you, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Please subscribe and share. Let somebody else know about this podcast, this episode. Help them to find reconciliation through the one who forgave those who were crucified with him, even forgave those who crucified him. God wants to heal them. God wants to forgive them and help them to live again. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com, and before you check out, use promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout. And if you've not used it before, you can receive 10% off your entire order. I have a couple resources who live there. I would love for you to check out Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast nearly four years ago, and then a book I wrote on the Ten Commandments called Ten Words, a practical look, just takes you through what it meant for them, what it means for us, and how we live them out in our day. You can find both of those at PentecostalPublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY at checkout, or you can find those on Amazon if you prefer it for Kindle, or if you'd rather listen than read, you can find 10 words on Audible. I'm working on Simplify for Audible. That may take a little while. And then I have one more book in the works. It's a book on the Beatitudes written after the style of 10 words, but it covers the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5, and then a few other selected points from the Sermon on the Mount Jesus shared Matthew 5 through 7. That's at the editor. Hopefully we'll be in print fairly soon. You can pick one of those up at PentecostalPublishing.com just as soon as it's published. 
Next week, I want to continue our walk through the book of beginnings, and I want to share with you a story called Detours. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with our Jesus as we walk through Simplify.